My dearest Clarabeth, this evening Bradley and I continued our discussion of the greatest battles of World War II, and though Bradley labored mightily to maintain a stout and manly comportment, I could tell from his eyes that he was sore afraid. And afraid he might well be, my dearest Clarabeth, for this evening terrible, terrible things were said. I, for one, made bold, sweeping, categorical statements based upon little more than the most fleeting glimpse at the Wikipedia page, or a misremembered fact from one of those books about World War II that are like 95% maps and photographs of tanks and have tiny text interspersed betwixt that I never bothered to read. Despite all this, Clarabeth, you will be heartened to know that we persevered and completed yet another episode. At this juncture, permit me to presume that you may be inquiring upon yourself why it is that I am affecting the aspect of Ken Burns' Civil War documentary for a podcast about World War II. I mean, Ken Burns actually made a documentary about World War II. I could do that, couldn't I? And also, didn't Chapo do this like two years ago and better? In response to those queries, I must only answer most assuredly, yes. And now, my dearest Clarabeth, I must away, for the firelight grows dim, and the poor shoeless boy we employ to play mournful songs upon his violin grows weary. I bid you the most pleasant of evenings, and I remain, as always, your most humble servant, Bradley and Ned's Top 5 Everything. And Dieter Maryland, 1862. One, two, a one, two, three, go! Top five everything. Yeah. Alright, we're back. Alright. Once more. Yeah. Unto boy. the breach. That week went by quickly. Oh my goodness. It's exhausting. Oh, the How things we, we experienced. <laughs> I'm not the same man. The things you'll do. Yes. <laughs> the places yeah. you'll okay. go. Uh, um, yeah, so we're still talking World War II battles. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a couple under. We're going to top five, but as we always do, who knows what it's going to be. <clears throat> I was very tempted to go with the Battle of Britain. I was very tempted, yeah. but I'm not going to. I You're do, basic. I find it, it's maybe Cliché. too easy. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I went out of my way to not do... Yeah. Um, now, I love it. I oh, love, yeah, I yeah, love what it is. Wrong. And, like, yeah. I love airplanes, and, and I love what it represented. But, um, you know, it's not... Yeah, and that, in the sense of it's... And I guess, in, like, for, for instance, what I say is, like, people think of it as, like, the defense of Britain, that if the RAF or Fighter Command had lost... Britain would have been invaded and would have fallen. I'm not confident that would have happened. So, it's, so there's a there's I'm a multi stage sure. there's a multi stage plan that, that that I guess Germany had to accomplish. First, they had to take out the RAF, yeah. so that then the Kriegsmarine could then take out the Royal Navy. No, well, or I don't the, think there was ever that... a plan to deal with the Royal Navy. The idea was at least if you hold air superiority, you can open. You can okay, all right, try sorry, and hold yes, on to the yes. sea lanes. So, so you could hold, you could open channel. up the sea lanes yeah. against the Royal Navy. Yeah, exactly. So you could get your. But you're you're against the largest and like the one thing that the Royal Navy did well consistently throughout the war was fight surface battles and defending their coast. They were going to throw it all in. There was tell no, that to the crew of the Hood, but anyway. Yeah, I mean, they yeah. lost ships, but, yeah. no, but I mean, that was a... they pretty much controlled the Mediterranean against a much larger Italian task yeah. force. Uh, and definitely, you can say that to the, you know, Scheinhorst as well, as they yeah. sunk it. So, I mean, they do naval engagements quite well. Yeah. 
and I, I'm not confident. I think they did better in World War One than they. Uh, sorry, World War Two than they did they in did World, World War One. Agreed. Yeah. So I don't really think it would have resulted in what it resulted for. For that reason, I'm not going to include it. Okay. There's one that's fairly obvious. I'm going to get it out of the way, and we don't need a big time to talk about it because I've never been comfortable with it being called a battle when it is the ultimate in campaigns. But that's a battle of the Atlantic. Mm. And I think it's important. There, there's this tendency to call campaigns battles when it comes to there World is. War II. There is. Battle just, of Normandy. Or, or even like theaters. Like yeah. Battles. But it's really a whole. like So the Battle of the Atlantic would have started in September of 39 yeah. and ended in May of 45. Yeah. Now, but it is now universally known as a Battle of, a, of the Atlantic is in May. The, the turning point in the Battle of the Atlantic was May of 43. And that's why now it's celebrated in May as Battle of the Atlantic Sunday. But that um, was sort of the turning point where it really became, when you talked, Leo, last week about, you know, modern mechanized warfare is really about how much you can build. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. and it really, you know, how much resources you can push out here. That became the defining calculation. Could the Allies build more cargo ships than the Nazis could sink with the variable of sunken submarines thrown in? And when all of okay, that, all right, so so we've got an algorithm here. Yeah, gonna, yeah. And when that crunch al- the numbers, and, and when yeah. that number got crunched, it was like May of. We need Robert McNamara here. To, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I figure that's not happening. Well, then, and that's ending up May of forty-three. The Battle of the Atlantic was over. So, because uh, that on what came, criteria? On the criteria that U.S. Liberty ships were being yeah. turned out at a rate that the the German Navy could not sink. Yeah, and the German Navy lost. So many submarines in the mu- in the month of May of 1943. Who was they, sinking the submarines? Uh, so who gets the credit for the Battle of the Atlantic? Is what I'm I I think you've got to give it to the British. Uh, yeah. British, and and to some degree, and Commonwealth. I'm not, I would say I mean, Commonwealth yeah. of Canada. Well, so it was the only theater. Uh, Canada Northwest Atlantic was the only campaign area commanded by a Canadian, and it was actually the only campaign area commanded not by an American, a Brit, or a Soviet. Yeah, it was was Canada Northwest Atlantic uh, was commanded by Admiral Murray and the Royal Canadian Navy had a tough go throughout. It was a huge contributor to the Battle of the Atlantic, but it was often <sighs> fighting with one hand tied behind its back. Well, it was also fighting with flower class corvettes, which yeah. are not the most um, well, this is it. you know sexy of and uh, most of the instruments of war. Half of them weren't even armed when they turned yeah. them loose. The sailors were not well trained. Uh, even the leadership, like the the officers, were not well trained. Yeah. No one was really a sailor. Like it had to, it exploded overnight. The Royal Canadian Navy, yeah. you know, in terms of its ship, its manpower, and it just couldn't accommodate it. It never developed a good doctrine for anti-submarine warfare and convoy defense. Yet it didn't have the choice not to. Yeah, and so it and it was often put in because it did operate, you know, minesweepers and corvettes through most of the war. It was responsible for escorting the slow convoys. Yeah. And those were the ones that were, that were going to get hit. Right. Yeah. Picking, of course, for the wolf packs. So I think Canada gets, uh, a, it, sometimes in some books, it gets a bum rap for, you know, not pulling its weight or uh, not being able, like contributing a lot, but failing during the Battle Landing. But it's not, I don't think it's fair. It's not fair yeah. at all. And when you get to 1944, you do start seeing the professionalization of the Royal Canadian Navy and the expertise and what it's contributing uh, to the Battle of the Atlantic. Because, again, it wasn't about sinking U-boats. That was a delta. Yeah. The most important thing was getting, getting the ships, ships through. If you could just avoid U-boats, you just fucking avoided yeah. them. Yeah, like that, was, even, that was a win. That was a win. 
You didn't need to sink U-boats. But by the end of the war, I mean, you're, they were sinking so many U-boats that it just... Uh, it was just a, a losing proposition. So how were they sinking the U-boats? If it, so if, so that, it's not I, the convoys that are sinking. The, it's not no, the escorts on the convoys. And it's convoys. not the escorts on the convoys, you're right. What happened was you Is, needed enough ships to create... Uh, you had like close support groups, escort groups, yeah. and then you had support groups. Okay. And the support groups were would be operating independently. And they'd often be... Uh, they'd be traveling at the same speed of the convoy, so they'd probably have a flagship as a destroyer. And then by the later part of the war, they'd have like frigates and things like this. Earlier part of the war, if you could get a support group, and there's very few operating yeah. until 43, Corvettes, whatever. And what happened was, is so your escort group, convoy gets attacked. The escort group doesn't, can then, you know, if it can localize the contact, it can, but it can pass it off to the support group. Oh, okay. Support group is like in the area and closes yeah, so its speed and, and then... Yeah prosecutes a target where the escort group keeps going this does not allow the wolf pack to sort of uh solidify and yeah. close in on it because it's constantly having to deal with this large fighting force that's going to keep hunting them one by one by one because u-boats are in. fairly slow is that very, very slow, slow when when, when submerged, submerged. yeah they, they don't operate any faster than five or six knots oh god okay submerged yeah. most of their attacks were actually on the surface yeah which is interesting. Uh, but they had such a low profile on the surface. It was easy to attack on the surface at night. But that's often forgotten. Most people, like... Sub so everybody thinks it's torpedoes, but it's actually yeah, but the, it's, the gun. Well, no, it is torpedoes, but fire, oh, so torpedoes fired from, from the surface. The surface. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they might submerge a bit to keep their they just their conning tower above the water. But uh, most attacks were launched on the surface at night. Uh, but what... Uh, so these escort these support groups became immensely important. And the second piece of the puzzle was getting um, escort carriers, uh, okay. small vessels. Most of them were like cargo ships that were reconfigured uh, partway through their construction. Yeah. And they were very simple. If you see like uh, pictures of them online, they really were the ultimate in flat top. Like it was just a flat top deck. A tiny conning tower. I know what you've seen. Yes, it. I have seen this. And yeah. it would carry like eight planes. Yeah. But that's all it needed to carry. Yeah. Because they weren't looking to like fight a major air battle. They, were, they just, were just looking to launch like patrol planes to keep an eye on the convoy as it went across. And if it could find a submarine, they could prosecute it very quickly. Yeah. Uh, and, this, and, and, and the third, you know, a part of that or the third piece of the puzzle was, find, was getting enough long range like Liberators, B-24 Liberators, yeah. uh, Sutherlands, these long-range patrol planes that could cover what was called the Black Pit, that central area of the North Atlantic that was too far away from uh, Newfoundland, Iceland, and uh, and the UK yeah. that at that time long-range patrol aircraft couldn't cover. In the center, now you've got escort carriers that can cover the Black Pit and you're starting to get airplanes that can range out even farther. All of that... Coupled with just the immense economic industrial power of the United States yeah, absolutely. to put out a Liberty ship like a week, yeah, uh, the, and fill it and fill and it and a, fill yeah. it with stuff, yeah, that it was over, um, yeah, you know. So it's interesting that a, a, a campaign, a battle that lasted six years, was, you know, for all intents and purposes, won by May of '43. It's understood it was mathematically won in May of '43. But still continued on up until the. But end that's of World War Two, right? It I is. Mean, I mean, it is. World War Two was the outcome of World War Two was all but decided at Stalingrad, El Alamein. You know, like yeah, you know, Midway. and then it was yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. At these like 
key moments early or early to early midpoint of the mid, war. Midpoint of the war. And then it continues but, but then you've still got to do years. Yeah, then you've got to actually still do it. You've still got to grind it out because yeah. no one has the sense to quit. Because it's interesting because, I mean, I mean, World War One is kind of the the opposite of that. Like, in 1918, at the beginning of 1918, it wasn't clear who was going to win. Now, no, admittedly, like, least. America had come into the war, but Russia was out of the war. Yeah, exactly. And, and it, like, up in... Till you know, like mid nineteen eighteen, the, the the Germans are putting on like a strong offensive, and Spring it could have, it, yeah, it could have gone either way. It could have, but the moment it decisively goes, like the moment you know the German, the, the Robert McNamara yeah. back in the German, you know, high command crunches, crunches the, the numbers. numbers and goes, yeah, actually, boys, we're starving we, to death. Yeah, we yeah. can't, we can't win this. Yeah, it's impossible. The, 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 uh, we're done. Yeah, and we're starving. Yeah, the high command hands off to the socialists and yeah. says, yeah, you guys, you guys go surrender. <laughs> go take care of that. Yeah, yeah. So historically, it won't yeah. stink on us. Yeah, from exactly. That point like forward. we're yeah. we're still on French territory, but yeah. we know we're going to oh, lose. The German yeah. army did ex- all it could. It was yeah. the damn socialists that killed it, and yeah. really, it was just the army holding on. Yeah, to the but but with with World War Two, it's like. We know how this is going to end. Like We're Germany and Japan cannot fight the entire world. No. Like by that point, even Italy isn't on their side. No. You know, know. Bulgaria is probably you know because <laughs> Bulgaria will hang in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this leads me to my uh, my second choice. Yeah. So you got to go two back to back. Oh, did I get to? Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah in our first episode, okay. in our second episode, I'm gonna go two back to back. And this one is fairly obvious, but yep. it's got to be on here, man. All right. It starts, it ends, it is everything, the Battle of Stalingrad. You're going to do Stalingrad. Okay, good. Yeah. I'm glad, because I didn't want to do Stalingrad. Quite frankly, the Eastern Front just freaking depresses me. It's, it's, There's it, is, like, it is the the ultimate display of man's inhumanity to mankind. Yeah, it's just, yeah. that's just, There's no chivalry. Yep. There's no, uh, the, 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 the sense of uh, reciprocity is all negative. Yeah, you know, it's not like a sense of respect. It's a sense of it's just the image. Like, not that I've ever even seen the image, corruption. but you know, just like the ferries going across the Volga, Volga. bringing the bringing the troops into yeah. the to the battle, and just like churning it out in the whatever tractor works. And the yeah. oh my god, yeah. So that is uh, some images from this battle. So Battle yeah. of Stalingrad lasted five over five months. Okay, a definable battle more than we talk about like campaigns and yeah. we talk about like Battle of the Atlantic. Or even the Battle of France, which lasted no, a think, shorter period of time. Yeah, but was but a campaign because it covered a greater... But much greater geographic yeah, I mean, space. It covered, it covered the, entire, the entire nation of France. This covered really nothing more than the... Medium-sized city. Medium-sized yeah. city and the approaches to. Yeah. Uh, German 6th Army. Um, so, it's interesting to look at the numbers, like the order of battle. By the end of the uh, Battle of Stalingrad, you have about a million... Ger- I'm sorry. A million Axis forces fighting uh, in and around the city of Stalingrad. Most of the German forces in the city where the bulk of the fighting was taking place uh, and the German or the Russians were very much on a defensive posture. Like they were not giving up, but they were not winning by any stretch yeah. of the imagination. Their backs were to the Volga River. That was sort of their lifeline back and forth. And it was an unpleasant lifeline to yeah. say the least. But over half of the Axis order of battle is Italian, yep. Hungarian, Romanians. and Romanians. Yep. And, and Croats. Like yeah. Some Croats are fighting in the Waffen-SS. And this becomes key because they are holding sort of the rear area flanks of uh, this sort of uh, salient that's, that's culminating in, into Stalingrad and into the bank of the Volga River. Mainly Romanian forces on the north and south flanks 
of the uh, of the German line. And what the Germans didn't realize, and they should have realized this, because this is exactly what happened in Moscow in 41-42, is they just, the sense of hubris that like, oh no, we can, uh, you know, they, they've got a break. They've got a break. They can't have any more reserves left. Yeah. Look how many people we've killed. We, we have to be winning this. And then all of a sudden, oh, now there's 58 new divisions that have come from Siberia. And now what are you going to do? And now you're stuck in the middle of Russia in the middle of winter. That How did they come to this again in 1943 or 42-43 in Stalingrad? It blows my mind. Mm, you know, but I mean, you look at... I mean, it's not an exact analog, but you, but you look at the way the Americans prosecuted Vietnam. You know, ten yeah, years so of you, you know sooner or later it's gonna we're going to wear them down. Uh, unless you yeah. read the Pentagon Papers, and they yeah. knew full well yeah. they were never going <laughs> to yeah. win. Yeah, um, yeah, I guess I mean, like, it's the nature of nations, and, and it's know? it's like once you've embarked on a course and yeah. you've you've crossed that point of no return, there's no return, yeah. or you admit that everything you had done up to that point had been for naught. Yeah, and like. Millions of people yeah. had died. Millions of your own well, people had died. And so it's interesting. And you don't have a plan. Yeah, it's interesting because there was definitely a lot of commentary or, or um, from the... Uh, what was the name of the German commander? Um, oh. The 6th Army commander. Uh, he's yeah, the only yeah. Uh, yeah. He's the only field marshal to surrender. Yeah. And he was like, screw that Bavarian corporal. I yeah. am like, you know, I just collapsed my army. Uh, Paul? Yeah, uh, Paul? Paulus. Paulus, Paulus, yeah. Paulus, Paulus, P-A-U-L-U-S or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, so he had uh, sent back a lot of reports long before the counteroffensive started in Stalingrad saying, we need to get out of here. Like, my flanks are weak. My line is overextended. Uh, we're not getting across the Volga River. We're not taking the city. And the no, strategic... they didn't need to take the city. Exactly. And the yeah. strategic importance of this city is negligible. Yeah. You just yeah. want to take it because it's named after Stalin. Yeah. You know, really, we should be turning south into the Caucasus. And getting the oil. And getting the oil. Yeah. And no, the, you know, again, the brilliant strategist that is Adolf Hitler, you know, dictated that they would continue along with this campaign. This, the battle in the city was taking on like a life of its own. Yeah. Like it was like its own, it was like feeding this fire, this flame. They're just sucking in human yeah. beings. And yeah, that's actually a good way. Yeah. It's it just, it. It, it, it was grotesque. It was just an absolute debauch it was horrible and then the anvil falls with the the soviet counterattack on the flanks one thing you can bet in world war ii the soviets will find more troops yeah. somewhere georgians armenians yeah. siberians they'll find them ukrainians they'll dig them up somewhere in they come launching a north south pincer attack against the romanian troops holding the flanks in the rear and immediately the pocket is closed. It takes no time at all for the Romanian and Hungarian forces to collapse under the weight of this impressive counterattack. And the entire German Sixth Army, along with, you know, all of these uh, Italian, Hungarian, yeah. uh, Romanian forces are trapped in this pocket. What's interesting is that this, I didn't realize this until I was reading about it recently, the obviously the loss of the sixth army was an immense disaster for the german army that it never recovered from yeah uh you know is it the turning point of the war in europe is it the turning what's well, definitely the turning point in the war in the east is it the turning point in the war of europe and is it the turning point of world war ii i've Hard always assumed see, it, it is i think I it mean, is but you could say that then about the battle of moscow when they actually stopped stop, them in yeah 41, okay 42. yeah so it may be like once you did not take over the soviet yeah. union 
everything was just going to be a giant whichever one it is the turning point occurs in the soviet union always guaranteed without a doubt the turning points in the soviet union be it moscow which i think it is more than stalin yeah probably but what it is also is the tragedy for these lesser axis nations because that was the end of their military contribution in world war ii and the worst, like they could have, they could have been taking over the south. Well, I guess not Vichy because it was, but no, you know, no. They, they could have been taking over Paris. But they no, could no, have been. Gonna be, right. No, they are done. The yeah. uh, the statistical breakdown of uh, of uh, uh, troop contributions for Romania, Hungary, and Italy to the Battle of Stalingrad, yeah. uh, their casualty rates are almost hundred percent. The their armies are completely gone. For the rest of the war, Germany is basically fighting with no allies yeah. anymore. None at all. Well, They're, I mean, frankly, like, Italy as an ally was more of a liability. More of a liability than it was, but... I, I mean, mean, the only reason they're in North Africa is because of Italy. Yeah. The exactly. only reason they had to go into Greece was because of Italy. Exactly. Yeah. You know? Like, and, and all they these had things, to go into Italy was because of yeah, Italy. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. as soon as and they got invaded, the government... Siphoned troops away from it Barbarossa. It did. It did. Yeah. And delayed Barbarossa. Yeah. Which is why they ended up having to fight in the winter. Yeah. Um, but as far as any, you know, so what, you know, is Hungary going to make the contribution that makes the war go longer and you know, Nazi Germany is going to win? No. You know, is Romania going to do that? No. Is the Italian Expeditionary Corps in, uh, in the Eastern Front going to do that? No. But these countries are now gone from the narrative. Yeah. In 1942. And it, it, they're gone because yeah. of this battle. And it does make a difference because, you know, Italy kills Mussolini. Yes. And, and uh, switches sides. Yes, it does. And then Germany has to... Has to, de- yeah. you know, designate forces... In what we discussed and, yesterday, the most useless campaign. Which we discussed last week, yeah, yeah. As a useless campaign. But did, I mean, did bleed away forces that they needed yeah. in Europe and would eventually need in yeah. Normandy as well and in France. Yes. So... Uh, yeah, Stalingrad. I mean, you could do an entire podcast. You could do a oh series of podcasts do, yeah. on Stalingrad for what it is. Uh, for me, yeah, it's the ultimate. It is, uh, you know, it's so obvious that you feel like you don't want to include it, but it would be an insult not to. Yeah, I agree that, with that. Yeah. So the one from the Eastern Front that I was going to do, and as I said, you know, I don't like talking about the, well, on, on this podcast, I, it, I don't just, want to talk about it because it's just so grim. And yeah. the one that I wanted to do because it, I don't, I don't know that it gets... I don't know the props or whatever the the recognition it deserves mm-hmm. is the siege of Leningrad, sort of nine hundred days of yeah. Uh, siege so of I think, but I'm not going to talk about it because there's oh, nothing good to say about the cats siege of Leningrad. Yeah, dogs and rats, and yeah, shoe leather, yeah. And again, I think of the Battle of Leningrad as much as I think of it in like calling it a battle, like the Battle of Dunkirk that we yeah. discussed last week. Is well, it's an evacuation. Well, it wasn't. The, it wasn't even that. It was just it a, was siege. a siege of Leningrad. Yeah. Like they just held out. Yeah. And then the Germans just evaporated. Yeah. You know, due to other considerations. Yeah, exactly. Elsewhere. Like, like there was no decisive action in Leningrad that that relieved Leningrad. No. It was just like it was everything everywhere else, else happened. Kursk, yeah. yeah. Stalingrad. I mean, it's a hell of a story, but it's not a particularly fun story. And no. I want to keep this podcast kind of light. Yeah. Well, as much as you can keep it light, yeah. we're talking about World oh, War Two. Yeah, really, you really gotta. The, yeah. It's grim. Yeah. That is a grim experience. Uh, so yeah, so I, uh, yeah, Battle of the Atlantic, Battle of Stalingrad, those are my two, so we're up to All four. Right. Uh, are we good for this? Uh, no, we're still good. We're oh still yeah, we got, we got, minutes, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, let's keep rolling. Okay, alright, uh, you want to, you want to do mine? This, mine's, mine's a bit of a, a bit out of left field. I think it's an important one. Okay. As a battle, it wasn't much of a battle. 
Yeah. But as a political event, it's very important. Okay. It is. Get ready. Yeah. Sit down. I'm on the edge of my seat. You're sitting. Good. Yeah. The incident at the Marco Polo Bridge. Oh, between Japan and the Soviet Union. No, Japan and China. Oh, Japan and China. Yeah. Oh, 19th, right. So this was the 1937. 19, so this July was the, 7th, 1937. This was the excuse Japan used to invade China. Yeah, the Second Sino... Uh, the Sino-Japanese War. War. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, I like, I like this wow. one. Wow, out of left field, man. It is out of left Arguably field. Arguably not part of World War II. Oh, I will. Our, in, I will take you to the mat on this one. <laughs> in our European, yeah. North American yeah, exactly. narrative. Like, but in Asia, definitely. Yeah, because yeah. one of the ones I was wondering about, oh, I want to do like the, uh, the Italian invasion of Abyssinia. You know, is that part of World War Two? But then it's like, well, is the Spanish Civil War part, part of, of World, World War Two? Yeah. But I think I think there's enough continuity. Oh with, yeah, with, yeah, 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 with yeah. Japan yeah. and China. Yeah. That. Oh yeah, because yeah, the fighting never stopped in China, yeah. and all that happened was, you know, after Pearl Harbor, uh, is that Japan just started attacking, you know, British colonies. Yeah. Yeah, we're really effectively. Singapore. Effectively. I really want to talk about Singapore, but we'll. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting God, they, one. I just yeah. think they sad. just absolutely, sad yeah, yeah, failed there. Oh, Britain, yeah. absolutely. Like, yeah, no, but the, and that was a, a you know a combination of hubris and racism. Yep. You know, just and also of, like, and also cowardice. Like they were so freaked out by the notion yeah. of of an Asian power challenging their dominance in Asia, they they like. They overestimated their strength while at the same time... Oh, yeah. 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 Completely Also, their guns were facing the wrong way. But, they uh, were. Yeah. No one thought that they would come down Malaysia <laughs> yeah, Peninsula. What are you, who idiots? Who would have saw that coming? <laughs> yeah. Uh, everyone? <laughs> yeah. Apparently, the Japanese general who they surrendered to was like, what? Yeah, you didn't think this? Yeah, or like... You, he called the Tiger of Malaysia was yeah. his nickname. I forget what his name was. Yeah. Okay, so Marco Polo Marco Polo So okay. I know very little about this. So, so, so this yeah. is all in your court, my friend. All right, so so this is, this is going to take some explaining. So so the Marco Polo Bridge is a bridge along the uh, the railway that connects uh, Beijing to uh, Tianjin. I'm not going to say it right, but anyway, yeah. a port city. Yeah. So this is 1937. Uh, July 1937 to give to give some some context to it China at this point is in a state of sort of a three-way civil war right. it's a three-way civil war in 1911 they had overthrown the uh, the Qing dynasty the Manchu dynasty um, which had which had replaced it with a republic uh, the republic had been challenged by a series of regional warlords so you have the republican forces the Kuomintang mm-hmm. Uh, regional warlords and stemming off uh, also the Communist Party. So you've got the the three forces, the warlords, the communists, and the Kuomintang, who are all sort of like vying for each other. At this point, the the communists are extremely weak. They just completed their long march, what is called their their mythical long march, where they'd they'd evacuated up to the north and their, their forces had been decimated. The Kuomintang is actually fairly strong at this point. And this is run by Chiang Kai-shek. Chiang, Kai, Chiang yeah. Kai-shek, yeah, is, is the Kuomintang guy. Um, at the same time, you have 
the Japanese acting very aggressively and mm. uh, sort of using that sort of euphemistically acting aggressively within China. So in 1931, they had actually invaded and through some um, machinations conquered Manchuria, sort of the, that, that area. And they just, created, what was it, Manchu Kuo? Manchu Kuo, yeah, yeah, exactly. And the army there was the Kwangtung army. A Kwangtung so, army. So yeah. now this is... And that was like the last empire, emperor of like Exactly. Korea. I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. The last or, emperor of China. Of China, yeah, yes. Yeah, the old, the old Chinese emperor who was like six years old when yeah. he was thrown off the, yeah. the, as you may recall from the movie, was actually put in as yeah. the figurehead. Of that was a great Uyi. movie. That was a really good movie. It's sad. Yeah, it was an yeah. amazing film. Yeah, amazing I see, I kind of want to, I kind of want to go back and watch it. Yeah. yeah. Our listeners, if anyone is listening, and I stress that every yeah. week, go watch The Last Emperor. That is but a great movie. If you don't Continue. have time to watch That Last Emperor, uh, watch that episode of The Simpsons where uh, Homer is the chosen one because there's actually <laughs> a spoof on that where he runs onto the stage. And, yeah. Anyway, yeah. anyway. So, so th- this incredibly confused political situation where China is in a state of like political disintegration with, with multiple forces going on. But Japan, as the aggressor within China, is also in this weird state of political disintegration where like the army in Manchuria is taking actions, insubordinate actions, basically. Okay. Like, the, like the government in Tokyo is telling them, don't take any more aggressive actions and they're taking more aggressive actions because they basically was... conquered um manchuria and on what, their own initiative what did they have there was the young officers or they had a name for them yeah I, it was I, like the young turks or yeah something. yeah exactly the young they, turks with yeah, well, turkey, but, turkey yeah. but there was a name for them and they were yeah. like a breakaway faction yes within exactly. the, japanese within the japanese army, army the imperial army yeah and they're and they're assassinating at least like i think at least two prime ministers <laughs> within japan in the 1930s Unbelievable. So, so again like we, again this hey we're yeah. back to where we were last yeah. week hey democracies yeah. get a grip on your yeah. armies yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly the army is calling the shots for its own actions yeah and and the uh civilian leadership has has no power over them so that's how they managed to to conquer Manchuria in the, the very early of uh, early part of the 1930s. But they also have forces in mainland China, outside of, um, outside of Manchuria, outside of Beijing, because before the fall of the Manchus, the, the Qing mm-hmm. Empire, I, I hope I'm saying that right, it might be Qing, it's okay. Ch- Chinese pronunciations and, you know, uh, transcriptions yeah. are, are too, too complicated for me. But... At the very beginning of the 20th century, the 1900s, there had been a rebellion uh, called the Boxer Rebellion yes. against, against foreign intervention in China. In the 1900. Yeah, yeah, 1900. Yeah, I think yeah. 1902, it had been It was like it had the been international suppressed. forces came. Yeah, and, exactly, yeah, yes. Yeah. The international forces come in, suppress it. And and the, the reason for this, this rebellion had been that, like, um, foreigners had been yeah, taking liberties within China. China. Yeah, China. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the the, um, the the rebellion fails, and what's called the the Boxer Protocols, because it's the Boxer Rebellion, uh, imposes even more you know <laughs> concessions on China to the point that actually foreign powers could station troops in China along certain railways uh, to maintain like connection to the ports, so to maintain the the protection yeah. of their you know their their, their goods interests, and yeah. and their interests within within the country. So Japan has this right to have troops within mainland China. So it's got these troops along the along the the railway, and they're they're conducting maneuvers. There's like fifteen thousand of them, wow. and they're conducting maneuvers one day in, in you know July nineteen thirty seven. And I think quite actually innocently, innocently from from what I was reading, they're conducting maneuvers. Meanwhile, there's a Chinese unit, you know, okay. and again, 
bearing in mind that China is in a state of civil war. So yeah, it was a so Kuomintang unit. Okay. So, so, you know, they're, they're hyped up and this is not a peacetime, mm-hmm. you know, maneuver. Is also conducting maneuvers. They sort of abut against each other. Shots are fired. Wow. Uh, there's there, there's some back and forth. Nobody knows who who the shots. The shots were fired at the Japanese, but nobody can figure out who who uh, who fired the shots. Right. So so you know shots are, are exchanged. A few not not large number of people are, are are killed. But the regional commanders get together and are like, whoa whoa whoa! They actually happen to be friends. It's like no, no. This is this isn't what's supposed to be happening. You know, everybody, everybody, cool down. They sort of separate the two sides. They're separating again. More shots are fired, <laughs> and you know they, they get back into it. Meanwhile, Tokyo's gotten a hold of this. There's a big debate within within you know the, yeah. the cabinet in Tokyo. The civilian political leaders are like, no, no, no. This is not what we're trying to do here. We're not trying to start a war with. With China. China. Meanwhile, the military leadership is yes, we are. Yeah. <laughs> we're totally trying to start that a war would be with great. China. Yeah, we, we would really to like to that. start a war yeah. with China. So, so despite all the best efforts of, well, I don't even know how much efforts the the Japanese uh, civilian leadership implode, but but the best efforts of the, efforts of the leadership on the ground to separate things, more troops are poured into into China from Japan, and what started as like a, a minor nighttime skirmish ends up being the Japanese turns out to the the, the yeah the yeah. the causes belli of uh, of the second war. Which, so that um, it's interesting to. Th- think of like the fighting in china during the second world war because that is not something that really when you think of the war in the pacific and i describe that that theater broadly because there's several theaters yeah it's divided up a lot you know for for operational strategic reasons but if you're just thinking like from you know india through to the aleutian islands let's say where there was fighting as well uh we really think a lot of like definitely the americans and the and the and the uh, the incredible American uh, Pacific fleet and then the island hopping campaign uh, to a degree, Australia. And then you think of the British in, uh, in, in India and Burma. Burma. Yeah. China rarely enters our lexicon. And this is here. why I wanted to bring this yeah. up. Because there was lots of fighting in China and the, the Chinese armies, armies involved are huge, massive campaigns. Yeah. Like, like in the defense of Shanghai, which immediately followed. Yeah. Um, the, the Marco Polo Bridge incident, mm-hmm. you know, two hundred and fifty thousand casualties on the Chinese side. Unbelievable. And then, then obviously the rape of Nanjing, Nanjing. That, uh, that follows that, it's which horrible. you know, again. horrible of it. That's a great documentary, the rape of Nanjing. I don't know if you've ever seen. Oh it. no, yeah, oh, no. it's an amazing documentary based on the book that was written several years ago. I just can't. Uh, I, horrific. Can't, I can't do these atrocity. Oh, uh, books horrific. And, yeah, and this is also like, an interesting conversation when. Um, it sort of feeds the narrative of, of the European war in that I, a lot of the fighting in China by the Japanese was racially based, racially yeah. motivated, in the sense that Japan saw themselves as racially superior to the Chinese, or to just about everyone, actually. Well, so it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you're absolutely right yeah. there. But they also saw themselves as the saviors of the Asians uh, yeah. from Crow Prosperity Western. Asian yeah. Union, I yeah. think it was called. I mean, there was there was some of this going through. Yes I don't know and no. Mean. I think yeah. that's a f- absolute political fiction that Japan put out there. It's no better. 
But even before even before they had initiated their aggressive war, well, no, yeah. not before they had initiated their aggressive war. Before, let's say, nineteen thirty-seven, in the early thirties, yeah. there was this this notion going through. Yeah, the, but I think it was discourse. really just. Uh, it's probably I, I think it's a thin, yeah. va- thinly veiled argument for col- colonialization. Yeah, I, you know, there's a great narrative, a great uh, comment on the. Uh, have you ever seen the World at War series? Richard Attenborough, 1975. No. Great documentary series. About oh. six. Oh, no. It's a, like 13 episodes. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. Won the Academy Award for Best Documentary. Uh, long-form documentary. Outstanding. Anyways, uh, there's a commentary about... like So each episode focuses on a time period. or And one was, you know, the war in the Pacific. Yeah. Early war in the Pacific. Fall of the Philippines. Fall of Hong Kong. Uh, invasion of Singapore. And they have this comment where... You see the Japanese hoisting down the Union Jack in Singapore and raising the, the rising sun. And for the people of, of of the Malaysian people, this was really just trading one colonial yeah, empire exactly. for another. Nothing more than that. And, and one that was probably even worse than the British, if that's possible. Yeah, I mean I mean that's it. Like the, the, the places that Japan conquered yeah. were already conquered. Oh, they were yeah, they were called. I mean, China. China had nominal independence. Indonesia, but, but which was Dutch, unequal, Dutch East yeah, Indies exactly. at the time. These yeah, unequal treaties with yeah. the, like the Boxer Protocols. Yeah, yeah. yeah. China. Um, so China contributed an immense amount of manpower, resources, and fighting. Even after, because you know, Shanghai fell 42, 41, I want to think to uh, forty one. Yeah. Well, forty one. Okay. So this is interesting. So the other significance of the um, the Marco Polo Bridge. Bridge incident was not only what it, its contribution to World War Two, but also its contribution to the Chinese Civil War, because right. because it was the Japanese intervention that strengthened the spine and bolstered the ranks of the communists. communists. In fact, in fact, the Japanese Prime Minister in like 1972 went over to China. Um, not Deng Xiaoping. Uh, who was it? Zhao Enlai, I think, was was um, whatever you call the president. General sure. Secretary of, of the Communist Party then. And and the, the Japanese Prime Minister apologized for the war. And and Zhao Enlai was like, No, no, no. Because of you, we're in power. We're now. in power, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. It was um there was so much fighting in like in in rural areas of mainland China that we yeah. have no idea about. Yeah. So many campaigns. I mean, the only time we really think about it is when we think of like the Burma Road being cut, yeah. which was the resupply to the Chinese forces in the north. From uh, you know, from the Indian Ocean, and and that's it. Yeah. And beyond that, the actual yeah. fighting. No, that... you would have thought the war, <coughs> pardon me, against Japan took entirely place on like tropical islands. Yeah. As no. opposed to, there was uh, a lot of Japanese yeah. troops being tied up, and that was like their main war effort, right? Was like the reason China. The, the reason, reason they, they started a war with was America to was to, China. Yeah. yeah. Everything to, they like, were given all the resources to, yeah. in China. Yeah. Marco Polo Bridge. Cool, yeah. man. That's a good think, out of left yeah. field. I like yeah. that. Uh, so I think we're good this week. I think that's, that'll do it. Yeah, so uh, we're... F- what are we at? Five? Yeah, we're, we're probably five, five now. Yeah. But we're not done. No, no. No, we're oh, no. not done. We're going we're gonna to be talking about World War Two until... <clears throat> forever, man. Yeah. No, we're going to do one more episode. We'll each do a couple more each, and I think we'll call that yeah. good. So that'll be obviously more than five. Cool. All right, man. All right. Have a good night.